Welcome to the Great Good Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Don. And we've spent the last decade plus working with passionate communicators, activists, and do-gooders around the country. We also host a conference called Create Good, where we gather folks to share their work and create a community for people trying to make the world a better place. The Create Good podcast is a conversation with changemakers and rabble-rousers to find out what makes them tick and how they create good. Let's get started. Welcome to this Create Good podcast. Today, we have Rebecca all the way from Denver, Colorado. How are you doing today? Just fine. Fantastic. is unusual and it's beautiful. It is. Yeah, definitely. So why don't you tell us your title and a little bit about your organization? Sure. So I am the CLO and CFO of the Barton Institute for Community Action. And we are a nonprofit located in Denver, Colorado. Our goal is to provide social entrepreneurs who are working on creating safe community spaces with the support they need to do that. We have four big projects under our umbrella and They range from an initiative to provide safe parking lots for people who are homeless and living in their vehicles to an organization that's developing a big community center in one of Denver's neighborhoods that's most in need. So it's and everything in between. That's really cool. And I think, yeah, so coming to the South 10 years ago, I think we have a very different approach to our homeless population in the South. You know, it's very much about shelters, you know, day shelters, and then you're on your own and that sort of thing. So I think Denver has been really interesting in embracing that some folks are never going to have a permanent address and how to help people through that. Right, right. And, you know, actually a lot of the people living in our safe lots, I say our because I'm also on the board of the Colorado Safe Parking Initiative, that some of the people living in those safe lots have just lost their housing and they still have their car. So if we can help them get back into housing really quickly, that's awesome because then they don't go further down and and end up on the street. So, so that, so it's less people who are in it for the long haul living in their cars and more people who are in their cars and seeking to be in permanent housing of some kind inside a house. This is a very fraught topic, so we could go on forever about that. It's a lot. It's a lot. Great. So you've had a great career in nonprofit communications. How many years has it been since you've been doing this work? Oh, gosh, I was thinking about that. I think it's been, so my first communications job in the nonprofit sector was in 91. So that would be 30 years ago, 31 years ago. Oh, my gosh. In my current job, which I've been doing for the last four or five years is I'm doing communications and so I went from being at the Denver Foundation, which of course I had a team and we were, you know, doing communications at, at a much more sophisticated level to now I'm one of a staff of four in our sort of hub office and I'm the only communications person with some wonderful outside help, but it's different. It's very different. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So yeah, can you share a little bit about your career and do it in 90 seconds or less? (laughs) I will give it a try. Okay. So I got an amazingly useful creative writing degree from San Francisco State University. 
And then I need to find a way to pay the bills. And happily, I found my way to a nonprofit where I started as an administrative assistant. And once I discovered the nonprofit sector, I was all in. The fact that you could go to work and go to work for a mission versus somebody's financial bottom line, I was all about that. So I then found out that if you can write and you work for nonprofits, people like you and they keep giving you more opportunities to do things. So I, I went to work at a healthcare nonprofit and then a, an environmental nonprofit. And then my boss from the environmental nonprofit went to a community foundation in San Francisco, in the San Francisco area. And she recruited me to come with her. And that's when I found my way to the Community Foundation field, where I spent 20 years yeah. in different community foundations, loved it, loved it, moved to Denver to the Denver Foundation, loved it, loved it, had a minor diversion to a private foundation for a little while, but came back <laughs> to the Denver Foundation. And then I decided I wanted to try something new. And here I am at the Barton Institute and getting to really start a new or brand new organization, entrepreneurial from the ground up. It's been amazing. That's fantastic. That was great. Good job. That was very good. Very concise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if I was less than seconds, but anyway. it's good. It's good. So why nonprofits? Why do you do this work? Oh my gosh. Well, the very first nonprofit I worked for was called the National Council on Alcoholism and Other Drug Addictions. And those issues were hugely impacting my family. And I did not know that there was a sector that was dedicated to making life better for people that had problems in different areas of their lives. And once, once I discovered that and then started meeting people in the sector, the other people who work in this sector are the reason I've stayed in it for my whole career. It's because we all make choices to be here because we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And I love that. And we're part of this hopeful vision of the community in whatever area that we might work that we're making things better for other people, for animals, for the environment. And I just think how, how amazing is it that we can actually make a living doing this work? I am so grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And nonprofit folks are the most kindest folks, right? They just... Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you already have so much rapport with them instantly just by knowing that, yeah, we're all in this opportunity and challenge world <laughs> together. Yeah, we, we, we've made this choice. And, and we, I, I mean, almost everybody I know who works in nonprofits volunteers with other nonprofits. And, yeah. You know, anyway, we, we just see this as a, as a really great mechanism for changing the world. and. Let's just get that done. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So what's your favorite thing that you like to do? And what's, what's your favorite thing about your current job? I love working with the community entrepreneurs who are creating our programs and also visiting our programs and then being part of the communities that are not being served by because we really see ourselves as partners with the people in community and try to do good with them, not for them. And so being in those relationships and connections, I totally love that. And going out and, and spending time with those folks is just fantastic. That's great. That's very good. Okay. So magic wand time. What's one thing that you would change about your professional life? Less time with spreadsheets. 
and more time with people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or more time to write. I mean, that's actually, yeah. I should say that because the other thing that I see so much is the amazing stories of all the people in community that we get to work with. And I don't have enough time to tell their stories in the way they should be told. So a lot more time to do that. Agreed. And I feel like we're getting back to that meeting culture. I feel like with the with COVID that we all got to kind of step away and like have meaningful meetings. <laughs> and now it's come back. And I feel like there's just a lot of meetings now, right? Like it's been interesting for that. Yeah. It sure has. So what are you looking forward to in the next year? Well, one of our projects is graduating from a wonderful project called Lifespan Local that we've had under our wing since we were started has gotten so big that they need to move out and become their own nonprofit, which is so excited to see what happens next for that. And then for us, that opens up some bandwidth and we can start looking for potential new partners. So cool. that process of talking to people in the community, finding out who's doing creative things. Is there a project that needs the kind of backing that we provide? And so far, all of that has happened in a pretty organic way. So I look forward to that organic process over the course of the next year. Yeah, that's great. You've really achieved a lot with your career so far. Is there anything else you still want to achieve in your professional life? <laughs> I would. I will say this. I, I am very focused on the things that haven't yet been done. And the things that haven't yet been done are making this a, an equitable world, and especially the United States of America, a more equitable society. And I feel like my work there will never, ever be done as long as I draw breath. And so in terms of achievements, I would love to continue to make a difference in some way on, in that work. You know, I think we had this great awakening in 2020 uh, as, you know, white people in this country. And, you know, it's, it's work that I've been doing for a number of years, but it was so exciting to see like, oh my God, white people are finally getting it yeah. that we have to do this work, anti-racist yeah. work. And, and now it's like a year later or almost two years later and people are like, whatever, you know, and I'm just thinking it's ridiculous that people are just sliding back. You know, it's sort of yeah. like, oh, well, you know, not, don't really need to do that work so much. I just, I will never stop doing it and rabble rousing other people to yeah. do it. <laughs> so I'd love to, I'd love to do more of that. Yeah. And I feel like people still need the tools. Right. And I think that's where communications can make a huge difference is by building those tools and, you know, talking to the organizations who are doing it well and how to how do they do it? Unpack it. Like, let's build a toolkit, you know, like something. Right. So, yeah. And I think there are things out there. It's just a matter of let's make them accessible to people. And, you know, I think the communications network actually did a survey about what people have been doing to build equitable communications. And they have a bunch of resources on their website that I can give you a link to. Great. But, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I think that there are people who are doing this and you're right. We have to just get the word out and make sure people have the tools that they need to need to get it done. Absolutely. Okay, so what advice do you have for a person who's either joining the nonprofit field for the first time or transitioning to it 
in mid-career? Well, first of all, if you think you're coming to the nonprofit field, and this is more for the transition people, if you think you're coming to the nonprofit field to work less and to maybe sort of hang back and be chill, this is not the sector for you. <laughs> you are going to work harder for less money. Welcome to the nonprofit sector. Yeah. Yeah, and, and more emotionally. Yeah, it's like going to bleed more. Never, yeah, and your work will never be done. I mean, literally, we are working to make the world better. And 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 I and I have worked for nonprofits like Hunger. I was on the board of Hunger Free Colorado. We mm -hmm. hoped at some point that we would get to a point where we worked ourselves out of business. Unfortunately, I've not seen that time coming yet. I think you know we in the nonprofit sector work really, really hard. Yeah. But if you uh, can create your own personal boundaries and your ways of refreshing and recovering, because I'm a very big believer in that. There's a book called Sabbath by Wayne Muller that I just love about how it, basically if Jesus rested, we can also rest. You know, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> no, we're not more moral than Jesus, but working ourselves <laughs> to the world. So let's take some Sabbath time for ourselves. And, and so I think it's really important to build that into your life. That's not professional. Okay. So our next section of questions is around feedback on your ideas. So it's not necessarily management feedback or, you know, annual review stuff, but it's about really how you get that collaboration from your peers on your creative work. So how do you professionally process criticism and feedback on your work? So I am hungry for feedback. I thrive on feedback. If I don't have it, I create opportunities for it. And I think you need it to make the best product, especially in communications. You know, we only can have the knowledge of how our communications products are perceived through our own lens. And if we're trying to move an audience that is not identically yeah. like ourselves, we better the heck be creating feedback loops. And so to me, that seek it out, I thrive on it. And then what I do is as I get feedback, as, and this, is, this has happened much more effectively as I've gotten older. I used to, you know, when I'd hear a piece of feedback, I'd be like, oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. You know, I'd agree with everybody. And now I am much more discerning. And I think it's okay to be discerning because that's what our skills that we've developed as a communicator have allowed us to be. We can be discerning as we take in feedback, but sometimes you have to challenge those biases. Mm -hmm. Are you being too discerning? Are you listening to the wrong people? So anyway, it's a big process. I think about it a lot and, and actively develop opportunities to get more feedback in my life. Yeah. So what are some of your tactics to get that feedback? Some different, more novel ways? Well, one of the things that I do is I, I heard once, and I haven't fully done this yet, but I heard that you should have a mentor who's two generations older than you and two generations younger than you. So for me as a Gen Xer, sort of late Gen Xer, I mean, early Gen Xer, whatever, 60s. Anyway, <laughs> I have, you know, I have mentors who are in their 80s, 70s, and 80s. And I have, but I also need to have mentors who are in their 20s mm -hmm. and early 30s. And I love to gather people around me and connect with people 
who I can send materials for feedback who are in other generations. I think that's really, really important. And asking people if they'd be willing to review things for me before I send them out. You know, people like to be asked for their opinion. And I think that's a really good thing to do. So looking at that multi-generational, I think would be would be one tool that I use. Another one is new employee. So if you work Mm -hmm. in an organization, anytime I have new employees, people who are like first six months on the job, I listen really, really closely to what they say, because all of that stuff that we've gotten inculcated with, and we're using this language and this acronym, those people have no idea. And they're the ones who are going to question you. And if you create an environment of trust with those folks when they come in, so that they know you really want their feedback and that you will welcome it, that the results are tremendous. That's really great. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, is there any certain style of feedback you like to receive? And how do you kind of communicate that to your colleagues? I like it. I like quick feedback. <laughs> so, and this is hard because I know sometimes people need to think about it and then yeah. they need to think, okay, well, Rebecca's my boss. Do I want to share this with her or... I, would Rebecca really be interested in this? I want it as quickly as possible. So my goal, my goal is to share with people who work with me that, no, if you see something wrong, do not hesitate. Tell me now, because I want to know. And yeah, I mean, that's that's just my favorite kind, is the, yeah. is the, the quick kind. But also, you know, I I think when people are brave and they really disagree with you i just think that's amazing yeah and i'm so grateful to have that because um not the knee-jerk unkind feedback that comes from a place of the other person's ego but the truly like you know i deeply disagree with you and i really think you need to rethink this i i've very much valued that absolutely yeah and be able to explore that with them they're right or they're wrong, right? And that's what's nice. It's like black or white, right? Well, and I love these. Or there might be something in there. Yeah. Like, they might be wrong, but wait a minute, that part, that part is right. Yeah, or, absolutely. I love, these questions. I love these questions about feedback. I think it's just yeah. people who are good at getting and giving feedback, it's a superpower. It's it is. just something really important. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and communicators... We're just inundated with feedback, you know, whether it's, yeah, feedback on social, on posts, on, (laughs) you know, before it even hits live, right? How much we get from people and how much we have to sort and organize and, yeah, absorb all of this impact and all this, yeah, feedback from folks. So is there a style of feedback that doesn't work for you? The kind that comes to me after it's useful. (laughs) Well, (laughs) So I've sent that newsletter out with the article that you secretly read and thought was terrible. And you decide to wait until after, oh, yeah, there are some comments on social that say, oh, that I, I, you know, this really isn't very good. And then you say, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. Give it to me when it's useful. If it's not, you probably don't want to hear it. That's true. That's fair. Fair. Okay. So you've talked a little bit about, yeah. Avoiding burnout, self-care. So yeah, how do you how do you take that Sabbath? How do you avoid burnout? Well, my daily practice, so I have daily and ongoing 
practices. Daily, I meditate every morning and I find meditation to be incredibly, incredibly beneficial. I move my body, so I'm a I'm a woman of size, but I I love to move, and I do sprint distance triathlons, which means I have to train in three different sports in the summer. So I bike, swim, and run. Actually, I don't run; I walk very fast, but I don't run. And I just love to read. I read. I love to read fiction, nonfiction, poetry, everything, and just sort of absorb new ideas. Um, and then just spending really quiet, quality time with my husband and my family. I have a big family that I, I'm one of five kids and three of us live in this area and all of our kids and all, you know, so and my mother and my mother-in-law and all of the people. So I love to spend time with them. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's a lot of the things. And so what makes you come back to work every day? It's not done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel really, really grateful to be doing this work. Mm-hmm. I feel a tremendous sense of gratitude. And when I think, so I live with my 91-year-old mother-in-law. And, or she lives with us, I should say. We didn't move in with her. <laughs> she would move in. So she is wonderful and very funny and and a great roommate but when i think about being her age and i think about what i will want to look back on i recognize how incredibly lucky i am right now in my life to have so many amazing opportunities to make a difference in my volunteer life in my work life in my home life and and i just oh my gosh it's just makes me want to dance i just i'm so happy to be able to do the work that i do it is incredible yeah the thing find a job that doesn't feel like work i mean and that's i mean our our jobs feel like work like it is it is work you know it's work, but it is but it's but but we also i mean think about other types of jobs we could be yeah and i've done some of those jobs and i'm glad i'm not picking bales up out of the field like i did when i was a teenager yeah. and stuff like that so um, anyway it's true. But I think, yeah, it is work, but it's just so fulfilling and it's so neat to be able to change the world in so many different ways. Okay. So the next section is rapid fire one answers, right? Like you should have a single word answer. Very few people have been able to, to pass this challenge with communicators. We all want to add more reason, more rationale, more color to our answers. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so you ready? One word. I had only one word. That's the goal. Okay. You ready? What's your favorite word? Lavender. What's your least favorite word? Official. What's your personal nonprofit cause or passion? One word. One word. Equity. That's good. There you go. See? What nonprofit cause gets too much attention? None. What's your favorite curse word? Shit. I say it about a thousand times a day. (laughs) (laughs) And then these ones, you can add more words to them. But so what other profession other than your own would you like to try? I would love to try being a full-time writer. Yeah, that's great. And then what other nonprofit professional organization would you like to hear on this podcast? So there's an organization in Denver called the Equity Project. And it's amazing woman, Juanita Mosby-Tyler is there 
executive director. If you don't know her or haven't talked to her, she would be amazing. Oh, I would love to hear from her. Oh, gosh, there's so many. This is really hard. Okay, so I know they're a big foundation, but I think the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation does a step with communications and really communications for good. And I think they would be amazing. It might be interesting for you to think about having Sean Gibbons, who's the head of communications network on, so, you know, sort of talking from the larger organizations to the smaller organizations. He is, he would be a hilarious. Oh, let me just that would be fun. Fun. his personality plus. Oh my gosh. Oh, I just, oh, okay. There's Planned Parenthood of Colorado, Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains. Yes. Brian Manzanares, who is their CEO, is amazing. But anybody on their communication staff would also be amazing. They are fantastic. Lauren Castile from the Women's Foundation in Colorado. She's super cool. Okay, well, I'll stop there. I, I mean, <laughs> I, could, I could probably go on for hours yeah thank you so much yeah i knew you would have a lot of people for that one you're the big you're the networker you are the hub of, <laughs> of all connections i love to connect people i yeah it's yeah. one of my favorite things <laughs> that's all my questions thank you so much for being part of this i yeah you are the connector i think your personality has we haven't talked to each other in a long time and your personality has not changed at all so i love it <laughs> oh my gosh thank you so much it's yeah. i i am a, a blessed person and I just think what you're doing is really great. Getting these voices out here. I I will go on here. Now I have to go and listen to the other episodes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for everybody out there who's listening. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening. If you want to get all the new episodes sent to you as we release them, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And until then, keep creating good.